Hello, this is Pastor Dan, and welcome to this Worship by Phone recording posted during the week of Sunday, September 6th. I hope you all had a happy and blessed Labor Day weekend. This recording, the scripture reading, the liturgy, and the message are all the same from what I shared during our worship service on September 6th during that evening. As you might know, Edgeboro has been worshiping in the evening for the last couple of weeks, and it has been working very well. Unfortunately, if we don't shift that worship time, well, we'll be sitting in the dark before we know it during worship. So beginning this Sunday, September 13th, we will begin worshiping outside at 10 o'clock a.m., All of the protocols that we've been using to keep each other safe will still be in effect, so if you do choose to come at 10 a.m. to worship with us, please bring your mask and a chair if you are able to. The parking lot will be closed to cars to give us more worship space, and as like before, if you do feel sick, please stay at home. So now let us quiet our hearts for worship with a recording played by Gail Justice, and then we will carry on with our scripture readings. Here's a reading from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 18, verses 15 through 20. Jesus is speaking to his disciples and says, If another member of the church sins against you, go and point out the faults when the two of you are alone. If the member listens to you, you have regained that one. But if you are not listened to, take one or two others along with you, so that every word may be confirmed by the evidence of two or three witnesses. If the member refuses to listen to them, tell it to the church. And if the offender refuses to listen even to the church, let such a one be to you as a Gentile and a tax collector. Truly I tell you, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Again, truly I tell you, if two of you agree on earth about anything you ask, it will be done for you by my Father in heaven. For where two or three are gathered in my name, I am there among them. When Jesus teaches, he usually does it in a few different ways. He does it by telling parables about sheep or mustard seeds. He does it by example, like when he heals people on the Sabbath. Or he does it by asking more follow-up questions, like, who do you say that I am? But now, we hear Jesus teach his disciples in a different way. He gets very procedural, especially when he's talking about how to resolve conflict with others. It's as if he's reciting a law, and resolving conflict, well, that's part of what laws can do for us. But this seems like a really long process with no explanation of why we should go through with it. 
And when we don't know the why behind a law, whether it's from the Bible or our government, sometimes it's really hard to see the point of it. For example, in Leviticus 11, many animals are named as off-limits to eat, including hawks, ravens, and owls. And it sounds really strange, right? The Bible needs to have a law that says don't eat owls. But at least this starts to make a little sense if these are laws for people who don't know what germs are yet. And so in trying to keep people from getting sick, they try to stay away from animals that eat other animals that might get them sick, you know, like mice. But still, it sounds strange that a law in scripture is don't eat owls. Here's another one that sounds a little strange at first. Deuteronomy 22.8. It says that when you make a new house, you must have a parapet going around your roof. Now, as you might remember, our church is in violation of this law because we don't have any kind of wall or border going around the outside of our roof. But this was a really practical law, and it's easy to see why it was a law. This was so that if you or anyone else went up on your flat roof, you wouldn't fall off. It's a safety law. And thankfully, we don't really have to worry about anyone, you know, getting up on the church's roof. So we don't really have to worry about that the church is not in accordance with that law. But this law sounds like many of the building codes that we have today. In the state of Washington, all public buildings must have doors that open outward. That's probably common practice around the entire country. And you might have to wonder at first, why does it matter if a door opens inward or outward? Well, it does. Because this is also a safety law, so that if the building needs to be evacuated quickly in case of a fire, people can just push the door open when they're exiting the building instead of having to create more space and pull and get delayed and all that stuff. Thankfully, the church is in compliance with this law. So coming back to the gospel here, what's the why for Jesus' law, this procedure that he's laying out? Because talking to someone you have a conflict with face-to-face is hard enough. Why does this need to be made more complicated and drawn out even more with having the same conversation had multiple times with more and more people, with people that might not even be involved in the first place, right? They wouldn't have any skin in the game. Why would this be their business anyway? I think that there is something to be said about the effectiveness of this approach itself. It can absolutely work. A lot of churches include something that sounds like this related to conflict resolution in their bylaws. The Moravian Covenant for Christian Living cites this passage in a section about resolving disputes. So you could say that the reason why Jesus commands this is because where human conflicts happen and this works. But I want to highlight another reason why Jesus commanded this. It's because Jesus loves us, and he loves others, and therefore, we should love who he loves. Now, yes, I realize saying that love is the reason why sounds like a cop-out answer from a pastor, but hang in there with me. Because let's look at what surrounds this passage in Matthew chapter 18, and hopefully you'll see what I'm seeing. So the chapter begins with the disciples arguing about who is the greatest, 
which Jesus then ends with saying, you will be great in the kingdom of God when you humble yourselves and begin welcoming into the community of believers, not just powerful or wealthy people, but children to your group. All will be welcomed. Then Jesus talks about things that might keep you or others outside of the community of believers. Do not be a stumbling block to anyone. Don't even be a stumbling block to yourself. So if your hand or your eye causes you to stumble, get rid of it if it means that it will keep you in the community of believers. Then Jesus tells a parable about a shepherd who leaves 99 sheep to find the one lost sheep to make his herd whole again, telling him how important it is not to lose anyone. Then comes today's passage, which is then followed by Peter asking Jesus, how many times must we forgive someone? And Jesus says, not just seven times, which is a complete and nice biblical number, but 77 times, an absurd amount of forgiveness. And then he tells another parable of a slave who would not forgive another slave when he was just forgiven by his master for doing the exact same thing. All to say that we have been forgiven by God, and because of that, we must also forgive. So can you see through all this the lengths that Jesus would go to keep one believer in the fold? All of the grace, all of the forgiveness, all of the help, all of the searching, all of the teaching... Can you see how important relationships are to Jesus? Can you see the lengths that Jesus would go to keep a relationship with each one of us? That's the love I'm talking about. And knowing all that, it makes total sense why Jesus would suggest that we invest so much time and so much effort into resolving conflicts with one another. Relationships are that important in the community of believers. And so this begs the question, what lengths are you willing to go to for your relationships? And what relationships, especially within the congregation, need more care and more energy from you right now? I'm sure there are church members especially those who have had to be away for the last few months, who could really use a reminder of how much they matter to the congregation. And maybe it's something simple, but maybe there's something that we as individuals could do about that. Each one of our members matter. You matter to Edgeboro Moravian Church. Jesus thought that relationships were crucial to a faith community. And taking that from our chief elder, Moravians do too. As we think about what we could do to demonstrate how important our church relationships are to each of us, I'll leave you with something from the Moravian Covenant for Christian Living that gives you an idea of how important relationships within a congregation really are. So the Covenant for Christian Living says... We consider it to be our responsibility to demonstrate within the congregational life the unity and togetherness created by God who made us one. How well we accomplish this 
will be a witness to our community as to the validity of our faith. we close with a liturgy of compassion written by retired pastor Rick Beck. God hears the cry of the needy and does not wait for us to call before coming to our aid. While humanity was still lost in its brokenness, God came to us in the person of Jesus Christ, lived among us, died our death, and rose to lead us into life. Holy One, you have a desire that all might be whole. In the brokenness of our lives, you continue to turn toward us with the hope that we will accept your renewing love and find new meaning for our lives in you. You have established compassion as the foundation for all relationships and societies. You commanded us to love our neighbors as ourselves and to treat others in the same manner that we ourselves wish to be treated. Yet at times we find ourselves preoccupied with our own self-interests at the expense of helping others. Teach us to love ourselves in a way that embraces others also. Give us courage to make room at the center of our world where others might be renewed by your healing presence. Fill us with your spirit of compassion, Lord, that we might not act or speak out of our own self-interests. Fill us with the desire to alleviate the suffering of our fellow creatures. Heal our hearts that we might refrain from acting in ways that will cause pain. Open the hearts of all people to the profound truth of Jesus Christ. Replace the apathy and selfishness of the world with passion to cultivate empathy with the suffering of all human beings. Redeem us from actions that deny our common humanity, for we desire peace over war, generosity over greed, patience over intolerance, compassion over callous judgment. At the root of God's compassion is the sacrifice of our Lord Jesus Christ. We are each in need of Christ's compassion. Gratitude is our true response to God who calls us to be Christ's compassion in the world. Let us take a moment of silence now and ask ourselves, how is God inviting me to offer greater compassion? Jesus, in extravagant compassion, has already revealed our forgiveness and calls us to live as those who are renewed and thankful. May we receive this grace and share it. May we live differently because of what you, Lord Jesus, have done for us.